You're listening to Into the Ether, a Genlock introspective podcast. I am Ripley. And I'm Jerry. And today we're going to do something a little different. Six episodes of Genlock, technically five episodes and one prologue, and we have got two episodes left of season one. So we thought uh, we'd take a moment before we dive into those last two, kind of see where we've been, where we've come from. Evolutions of the characters. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, some of the evolutions of the characters and the progression of their arcs thus far. Address the fact that things went very differently. Or, or turned in a very different direction at the end of the last episode. So, we've got some stuff ahead of us. Well, let's see. So far, we've had kind of a, a combination arc of both the world as we know it is changing. And then on a more personal level, it's sort of been the kids are in school learning. And now the professor is gone. So, those are kind of the two overarching themes as they're hitting at that at this point in the series for me yeah you know, I had to go through that uh, extensive training because when they first came in they were nothing more than just kids yeah uh, with some potential a lot of rough edges and that first episode where not the like not the first episode the episode where Chase and Miranda were talking about the recruits and she's like they've got a lot of ways to go yeah <laughs> they went that ways and it's it's been really interesting to see that progression and see how they internalize the the lessons and come to a point where they're helping each other out and learning that's so satisfying mm-hmm. yeah and I I do think it's kind of interesting that. In the opening credits, they've kind of been showing us this glimpse of where you think this is going. Because clearly the uh, the robot designs in the opening sequence are a lot more individualized than what we saw in the beginning. And it, you are seeing this progression of the robots developing towards what you're seeing in that opening snippet. So it's, yeah. it's kind of fun to see the journey of the robot designs as well as the characters as they mesh with each other. Now, is that something that you've seen in other mecha media? I know, I mean, my experience is very limited. That's why you're here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that they had like a, a couple little bits in Voltron where different abilities or different equipment would show up later on as they were pressed, but nothing quite like this where you start off, you've got like the endoskeleton and then the armor plating and then a little more stylized armor plating mm-hmm. with additional equipment. Um, but in the, yeah, in the trailer, or in not the trailer, in the the opening animatic for, for Genlock, you've got these hyper-individualized, hyper-stylized mechas that is, is just worlds in a way from the first ones that they stumbled around in. Were there any other mecha shows that were like that? I've... I've seen it where there's a large cast like Transformers where they'll show you little sneak peeks moments of something that's going to show up later, like Unicron, for instance. Uh, But 
it's just like a little tiny Easter egg popped in there rather than this big, huge in-your-face, whoa, <laughs> that is so different type of thing. Okay. My question is, with the, within the context of the span of the show, mm-hmm. do you ever start out at the beginning of the show, the mecha's one way, and then the end of the show, it's totally different? I've, I've seen them do a progression from type A to type B, but not a <laughs> A to B to C in one single season. So I, I was expecting more of a, here's your choice A, and we're going to go straight to the end for choice B. So seeing that kind of in-between transition uh, was a surprise to me that they would have that extra step built in there. Um, but it was a pleasant surprise because it, it, it does externally show the development of the characters yeah. over time. Yeah. The the growth of the program as well as the growth of the characters, which is... And I think that's how things work in real life as well. Uh, as you, you produce and develop something, you're going to learn along the way, make mistakes, or figure out how to do something better. Yeah, as soon as it hits into production, <laughs> you've immediately got ideas of how I can make this thing better. So yeah, with stuff like this, it's realistically, it's always a work in progress. Yeah, but so are people. This is true. We're always learning and growing. So speaking of learning and growing, the whole relationship so far with Chase and Miranda having to come to terms on their own about what is going on with him and then also where they stand together. Yeah. It's been an interesting exploration of uh, human interaction and dynamics. Yeah, it's an, it is definitely an interesting way of exploring human relationships like this to, to see that blossoming relationship just get cut short so hard and then the both of them trying to decide if there's really any way to give this another go or not yeah. realistically. I Okay, I'm going to make a really self-indulgent reference here. I keep thinking about Reboot Season 4. Mm-hmm. And uh, those who aren't familiar, Reboot takes place inside your computer. So little sprites and AIs and uh, ones and zeros. But uh, you had, they had one character that disappeared for a few seasons, Bob. And there'd always been this unspoken relationship with him and Dot. And in season three, he came back, but he was changed because of, of where he'd been. Mm-hmm. He was tried and tired and, and you know, looked different and, and was, but, you know. He'd seen things. He'd seen things. <laughs> oh, man, did, did he ever. Uh, but he comes back. And at the end of the, at the end of, God, it's been so long, I remember it was like the end of the third season, the, the midway through fourth season, um, another Bob showed up, which looked like younger pre-web Bob. Mm-hmm. And so there was a whole, there's a whole like four episodes about which Bob Dot would choose. Mm-hmm. And between the Bobs, which one was a copy, which one was real, what's going on between right. them? She came to the conclusion that she was going to go for the younger Bob because the older one reminded her of all the pain. Mm-hmm. And there's this moment where she's trying to explain it to her younger brother who doesn't understand. And, and it's, it's, it was this really mature idea of love loves what it loves. And she couldn't, like looking at the older Bob, she couldn't get past the pain and the trauma mm-hmm. and what that felt like. But looking at the younger Bob, she remembered 
you know, when times were, I guess, easier and, right. and more simpler uh-huh. and it wasn't traumatizing. <laughs> so it's like, if you look at a thing and it traumatizes you and you look at another thing and it doesn't traumatize you, does it really matter where the things came from? Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of this really deep philosophical question. And I keep thinking about that with, with Chase and Miranda. Yeah, that is a good point, because he doesn't really want her to see the broken version of him. He'd much rather interact with her as the hologram. Yeah. 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 And I I don't think... She hasn't ever actively interacted with his body. Yeah. In the tank. Yeah, I I feel like Migas and the doctor are generally the ones that communicate with him. Yeah, Yeah, like she went. She she was going to. Mm Mm-hmm. When Sinclair happened. Yeah. Way to go, Sinclair. Fuck everything up. You know, it's, it's never really... She never really goes back that mm-hmm. we see. Yeah. Yeah, it's his body. It's him. But, you know, probably seeing that reminds her of the four years that shit was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas seeing this digitized version is a lot easier. Mm-hmm. To... It's a lot more palatable. Yeah. Yeah, even though... He's digital. He looks more like what she remembers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could, like, really dive into a rabbit hole of philosophy (laughs) (laughs) and moral and ethics here. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, so so watching that whole relationship ebb and flow. And, you know, poor Jody. I mean, he's kind of an ass. But he's also the rebound guy. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very clearly the rebound guy. (laughs) And I don't think he's happy with the developments. Probably not. So, fun triangles. (laughs) Triangles are the best. Except when you're on the pointy end. But they're all pointy. (laughs) They're all pointy ends, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Triangles are terrible. Get yourself a sphere. (laughs) It goes so much more smoothly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, um... (laughs) We need to talk about Cammie. Because she's really, like, the glue of this party. Mm-hmm. She's the one that... She has no inhibitions. She, she She's young and just naturally... Mm-hmm. Like, she works. puts it all out of Yeah. And I think that that definitely helps the group. Because I think there's times when she's saying what everybody else is thinking, but nobody else is saying because they're too whatever themselves mm-hmm. you know and I, I think she definitely pushes some things <laughs> sometimes herself in that, that fun little episode when she was sliding her uh, emotions yeah that was freaky <laughs> but yeah so I think she I mean they they all bring a different energy to the group and I think they all help out in some way but I think she pulls a little bit more weight than the others if just for pointing out the shit that nobody else wants to point out. She's she's definitely one of those people that likes to test everything. <laughs> whether it's <laughs> whether it's relationships or equipment or programming for the equipment, she's always poking at the edges looking looking for ways to break things so yeah. that she can fix them. Oh, yeah, there was a tiny, tiny little, I don't know if it was like an Easter egg, but like when, so in that episode where she, she adjusts her sliders, Mm -hmm. that that very first moment where she sits back and she's in that mind space and she's going through her memories, Mm -hmm. there's one little still 
of her pre-Genlock program. She's wearing the same thing, mm-hmm. but her hair's down, and she's like, like she's got monitors all around her, like the, right. the see-through Genlockian, yeah, yeah. Uh, holographic, holographic of yeah. the world, not of the program mm-hmm. of that the 2060, 2060s. Yeah, it's in the twenty sixties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know her hack. I mean, that's why she's in the program because she's such such a good hacker. Mm-hmm. So always pushing the limits and like a velociraptor trying to find the weak points in the system mm-hmm. and doing it in a very bubble. Did you see there was an there was an article with Maisie Williams okay. where she said that Cammy could beat Arya. Uh huh. <laughs> Basically on the premise that Cammy had guns and Arya had no idea. Oh. <laughs> that's <laughs> all like, about what you know. That's kind of cheating, isn't it? <laughs> But that, you know, I just, I love, I love conversations like that. And the fact that the actress weighed in just makes my little heart go, nah. poor Arya. Way to go, Cammy. So now we just need to find out, like, all the others. Mm-hmm. What would happen if uh, Killmonger met Chase? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would he think of that? Well, I guess the good news for Killmonger is he comes from a more technologically advanced society. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it might be on par. He might be able to keep up, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's shown to be creative, resourceful, and adapt, adaptive. Mm-hmm. And I think they'd both be pretty matched in, in not being bound by rules. Mm-hmm. Chase follows, I don't know, Chase follows him a little more, mm-hmm. but not quite. But sometimes, but not when he wants. Or when it'd be cool. It's all about situational ethics. Yeah. <laughs> And of course, let's just put let's just put the tenth doctor to room with Weller. <laughs> oh god, that would be a trip! <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't even watch Doctor Who, and I'm laughing. <laughs> Up to this point, from the the prologue to the latest episode we've covered, mm-hmm. what is one moment that really stands out to you? Um, if somebody says Genlock, what is the first thing you think of? Probably. Up to this moment, the sacrifice of Dr. Weller seemed to be kind of a really defining, there's no going back from this point, school's out (laughs) type of moment. You've graduated. (laughs) Here's your graduation party. (laughs) Professor, (laughs) dead? This graduation party sucks. I will admit that getting to see the possibilities of connecting with somebody else through Genlock to operate one mech, that was a pretty fascinating moment. And it does seem like it really opens up possibilities for where they can go exploring storylines. Yeah, yeah. I I think that'd probably be my... My defining moment was the dance between Kazu and Valentina. It was just mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, they just did the thing. It's like, and that was even like the first time that they'd shown Mindshare. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time it was really, the, you didn't get to see inside. It was just Yaz and Cammy when Cammy's head got ripped off. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, borrow my eyes. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to go from that, where, you know, it's, I mean, it wasn't really used for humor, because it was really kind of a terrifying moment, mm-hmm. but to go from that to, like, that dance, mm-hmm. oh boy, 
Yeah, that, that seems to be more of a coordinated, purposeful connection, whereas the other one was kind of born out of desperation. Yeah, just and kind chaos. of like more right along. Yeah, yeah, like, that, that was kind of everybody was in pure survival mode on that one. Yeah. Whereas on the dance, it was a more coordinated, intellectual type of connection. Yeah. Favorite side character. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard for me to uh, beat Migas. Mm. So. Yeah. Like, everybody's great, but dear Lord, Migas is so good. Yeah, I'd have to say Migas, too. Mm. All right, that was kind of... <laughs> it's either Migas or the pet robot. Take your pick. <laughs> well, I'd have to say between Migas and, and Marin. Because, mm-hmm. okay. man... I love a woman that's in control. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to find some exciting things in the next couple episodes. Like, oh, I could talk. No, we can't talk about we that. We can't talk about spoilers. No. Spoilers. It's been out. Yeah, it's been a while. But... A few weeks. So, what if it were a musical? What so, if Genlock Gen Gen were a musical, what, what musical numbers would you want there to be? <laughs> uh, oh, God. I feel like there would have to be some sort of folk singing from Cammie's character. Well, well, she did sing Happy Birthday in Gaelic. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so we're already halfway there. <laughs> but yeah, furry folk singing from Cammie, I feel like that would be a must of some sort. Yeah. The big, big ensemble dance number. <laughs> Marin's dramatic soliloquy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it'd be pretty easy to do some sort of a rollerblading dance break based on yes. what we can see in the opening <laughs> credits. Yeah, that'd be great. I want, I want Migos to have a song. <laughs> it can be whatever he wants it to be. It'll be great. We'll love it either way. <laughs> so, yeah, the idea is out there. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, please let us know. <laughs> so, let me, let me see if you can dig back into your memory banks here Mm -hmm. when you first saw the season when you got to this point what did you hope for from the last couple episodes Uh, because i know i know i did warn you about rooster teeth and mm -hmm. their cliffhangers yes so i was really hoping that they would deal with the whole chase nemesis thing i wanted more clarity on what happened there to make that happen. Uh, They did start peeling back a little bit, but they were definitely leaving enough room for me to feel desperate to know more. It's it's like when they, that thing where they build up a series and they ask, like they they kind of leave all these questions that you're asking. Mm -hmm. And then they answer, they start answering questions in such a way Mm -hmm. that makes more questions. Yeah. It's like this answer was not satisfying because now I have 20 more questions. We're at that point in the series. I think I did say last week that where that episode ended kind of felt like the Empire Strikes Back moment of the scene. (laughs) Yeah. You're hitting the end of the second act. The heroes are in the middle of the fire right now, but they're still hanging in there. And you're kind of seeing some hope for turning the corner but you're not sure what's around that corner yet what all right 
What's that saying? Like out of, out of the frying pan into the fire. Yes. All right, Rooster Teeth or in Red versus Blue, they had a version of that. Four Seven Niner said, "Out of the frying pan into the shit." Oh, okay. So two things we can take from that: one, don't ever let Four Seven Niner cook. <laughs> and two, <laughs> I think that's where we're at <laughs> in Dunlock right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, after season or after. Uh, Episode 6 before we hit 7 and 8. Mm-hmm. Definitely out of the flying, frying pan into the shit. <laughs> We've got some action to look forward to, but we will get into that next time. You've been listening to Into the Ether, a Genlock introspective podcast. I am Ripley. And I am Jerry. And we'll see you in the ether.